Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today our guest is Georgia Stevens, an artist, writer, director, choreographer, and performer. Welcome, Georgia. Hi, Matthew. I love, it's so great to be here. I love that you're doing this whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm really grateful uh, to finally get to interview as well. I, I've, you've been on my mind uh, for some time to get in touch with you. And so thank you in advance for your time today. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward. I think it's even more sometimes exciting for me when I know like just little snippets of people <laughs> yeah. uh, that I don't know much about you. And it, it, it's just all the more reason for um, doing studio stories. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a group of choreographers in history that is before the, the wide web, you know, so um, information sometimes is challenging for me to find and research and kind of have a sense yeah. of who I'm interviewing. So yeah, it's, it's really like, Oh, a, a big new world for me. <laughs> oh, I know. And my husband said that too. I've been trying to remember things and, you know, make some kind of chronologies. Oh, I got it straight enough to be truthful. <laughs> and he said, you know, if you had started like 10 years ago, you wouldn't be going through this. It'd all be there. Yeah. It'd yeah. Be on the web. All in the cloud. <laughs> I know. Well, so Georgia, let's first begin with, uh, learning how you began dancing and, and what your training looked like? Well, I'd say my training is mostly that I was a figure skater. I never danced when I was young. I took ballet when I was really little and I would just sat there with my, I just sat there. I didn't know what was going on, but <laughs> figure skating was phenomenal. And so that was my physical training. Um, I didn't actually encounter dance until modern dance in 1972. We had a dance club at our high school and I was kind of having a hard time as a senior, but this dance club saved my life. I mean, I just, I just loved it. And, um, I won the award for choreography that year oh. at the end. And, um, so I knew that I had, something to offer in that field, but I kind of forgot about it for a while. Um, and then I didn't, I floated around and I ended up in Washington, DC, and I ended up taking technique class again at American University part, I went part-time. And I was also taking um, early emotional childhood disorders. So the hmm. combination of those two I think, you know, I just decided, oh, I heard about this thing called dance therapy. It makes complete sense to me. I'm just going to do this. And um, so I gathered up all my credits. I also went to another college, Beloit College, prior to that. So I gathered up all my credits and I transferred to Washington University in St. Louis, who I heard at a fabulous dance department, and they did. <laughs> and um, I went there, and the dance therapy program was really mushy and uninspiring but the composition classes and the improvisation classes and everything else that's where i really started my training i went i went berserk over the whole mm. field of dance um after i transferred there it was about 
five. Um, and who who were uh, instructors or kind of what the what was the kind of composition course? Um, it was, kind of like <laughs> um, I believe this. Yes, I think. Well, it was very Nikolai kind of German modern dance oriented. Annalisa Mertz was the director. So the composition classes tended to be, you know, within that style. Um, and Sarah Sheldon was my first composition teacher. I hear she's still going strong in San Francisco, but I don't follow anymore. So I wasn't so, but anyway, so Sarah Sheldon, who was in the Alwyn Nikolai company at the time. Um, and she's just, I mean, I really credit her for the fact that um, I became a choreographer or continued to, you know, become one. Um, mm. It was assignments, you know, like time, and that's all she'd say. So you'd have to come up with a composition that was that showed time <laughs> or <laughs> two-dimensional versus three-dimensional space. Um, a kind of abstract, but very inspiring in the whole world of physics and motion. And that's kind of how that training went. But she also was really wild. And oh, one of her assignments is just like, okay, forget everything we've been doing. Just do anything you want. <laughs> and that one. And so, you know, I think we had to find props or something. But, oh, that was the craziest thing. And I fell off of tables and I had chairs in the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, so, um, so it was a combination of very strict um just the art of motion, um, isolating things. And that's a good discipline and go wild. So yeah. um, that's what, and so everything, we had so many wonderful visiting artists. And of course, Alan Nikolai was always there because our dance director adored him and Murray Lewis and all the off, uh, who was uh, Phyllis with the blonde hair, who was also one of the, early members of the Alwyn Nikolai company. And um, so they were always there, but she, but she branched out and she tried to get other visiting artists. And one of them was Stuart Pimsler. Oh, funny. I know. So he, he met his wife, Suzanne Costello there at my school. And um, they eventually moved here. And then, you know, what happened after that, he started his company and, um, Wendy Morris also went there. Oh gosh. Wow. So, um, there was, you know, it was a great dance department, very creative and, um, you know, it was the seventies, you know, so even, even with my very strict Germanic dance director, Annalise, um, she was open to, you know, just about anything as well. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that I feel like that time frame was very hot for Alan Nikolai and Murray Lewis as well. Like the, mm -hmm. the training of, of that style. And that's so interesting how many people I've interviewed and, and just know that kind of like always are like, yep, Alan Nikolai, Murray Lewis. Like that was a, a very specific 
training or a technique that was yeah. looked upon. And I didn't know that at the time, but so I was inspired by them. Murray Lewis came to my college and he was invited to witness, <laughs> just kind of observe our um, composition. Of that. Well, they called it composition, not choreography. And you called it dance concert, not show <laughs> back then. And um, he came and watched and I remember his feedback he just said to me well you're a choreographer i hope you know that <laughs> and that was all i needed to go okay i am i will <laughs> i promise <Please. laughs> yeah it doesn't show it on our id or anything like that you know that it always been a funny thing for me of like we have to prove it somehow or right having that like permission or like yep okay i am that's great. Yeah, I mean, my insides kind of jive with that, too, or I don't. It was the combination of the approval and the um, whatever you call it, you know, validation of it. But it matched. It was like, OK, I agree. <laughs> nice. So what what did you do upon graduation there? Um, well, I stayed around. I wasn't sure what to do. I had gotten a commission at a college um, in also in Missouri called William Woods College. So that was kind of exciting to get my first professional gig. Um, I then I decided, oh, I'm going <laughs> to I'll get my K through 12 dance teaching certificate. And I really didn't want to teach in K through 12. I mean, I but I thought so, you know, but as it turns out, I was really, really good with the little ones. And Annalise was surprised because she always considered me kind of, you know, a hard-edged artist. And then I was really good with these kids. So I did that for two years. Um, and, you know, I choreographed around town. I did um, this and that with independent choreographers as much as we could. St. Louis was a hard place. Outside of Washington University, it was a hard place to get show work, hmm. um, especially if you were in the experimental area, um, you know, and didn't want to do jazz and ballet. And I didn't have anything against those things, but it's not where my inspiration was. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I, so yeah, that, that was the first two years. Um, I can go on with this or you can <laughs> veer me in another direction, but. No, I think it's great to understand like how maybe your, your path toward Minnesota, um, where, where things kind of, where we can focus on the Twin Cities. Oh, the other, you know, the other thing I want to go back and mention about college, um, I, I was kind of in favor uh, with this dance director who was like, you know, she was so unsubtle about, no, that's terrible. Blah, but, but I was kind of one of her favorites. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk on stage. And I got away with it. And I was just aching to, but I was so af afraid to because I stuttered and I hit it well, but it was still inside me, you know, crawling mm -hmm. around in there going, oh, God, you can't say that because it won't come out. So I assigned it to somebody else and it was a big hit. And from that point on, I use language freely as much, you know, verbal language. I always say, you know, I move when I talk, I talk when I move. <laughs> so no. the 
blend of those two things happened really early on for me in about 1976. I didn't know David Gordon was out there already doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I found out because he came to our college too. Um, anyway, so back to 1980, it was time to leave St. Louis. Had I had exhausted all that, and um, I was thinking about either San Francisco, Boston, or here, and I knew about here because Suzanne Costello had told me about this amazing thing called the Choreographer's Evening, and you don't have to pay to do your work. <laughs> They'll just let you do it for free, and it's a great audience, and um, it's at this place called the Walker Art Center, which I'd never heard of at the time. And so that was in the back of my brain. And then Wendy Morris wrote me a long, long letter about how fabulous it was here because she decided to move here. I was still doing my teaching certificate work. So Wendy in 1980 was the curator of the choreographer's evening in the spring. Um, did I say 1980? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 1980. And she decided, well, you know, I'm, I know you're interested in moving here. I'll just, I'll, I'll just bring in somebody from out of town, which was kind of cheating, I think. But, um, so I came here via her invitation and did a piece in the choreographer's evening, the solo and, um, I remember it well, and it was it was pretty it, it was a challenging one for audiences, but they went wild, and I went, holy wow. cow! <laughs> you know, forget the rest. I you know if I could, this you know how the choreographers evening always I mean they always fill up and people are kind of really supportive of the people doing it. Um, so I met some people out of the audience that day and they came up and talked to me about my work. And that's when I decided to move here. Lovely. Do you know the name of that piece that you performed? Excerpts of a Journey. Um, nice. It was funny. If you'd asked me that cold, I might not have remembered, but I've been thinking back <laughs> in my past and there it was. And it came out of St. Louis, but it was a, you know, it was a new piece. I don't think I ever did it again after that. But, huh. um, and was there a reason you chose that piece specifically for, for the um, Walker? You know, I, I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't, that I bucked tradition and I really like to challenge people's ideas about perception and meaning. Um, I remember Wendy saying, wow, <laughs> you really took a risk on that. And it was wonderful. <laughs> so it was a risky, you know, it, I could have done something more traditional because I'm a very dance movement oriented person too. You know, I love Tricia Brown, but I also love Meredith Monk. I mean, it's kind of, mm. um, so, but I picked something that, um, was challenging, challenging for so, the audience. Yeah, and so making that decision after that successful, you know, response here, what was it like to move here then? In like the community, what what did the community look like at that time? Well, I think 
Micah, the Minnesota Independent Choreographers Alliance had just started. And I think that's what Wendy Morris wrote me about primarily in her letter is just how wonderful that all was that it happened. And I, you could, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think they started in 1979 and I wasn't here yet, but they were well established, you know, a whole year by the time I got here. And, and you just, I mean, if you were a choreographer and you weren't um, a big company, that's just where you went and you went to the meetings and you heard about stuff and Judith Myers, um, you know, became the director and, um, they started getting grants. They got, um, I don't know if, if this order is right, but they got, um, well, first of all, they produce you. I mean, there was a Micah presents and they had enough money to, um, present local choreographers. And I did a few of those. I just kept choreographing and I did, um, a piece called Heart and Pull, and that was the one the one that I talked in, but I was too afraid to do it myself still, so Wendy Morris premiered it, and then I took it over after that. I actually got the, uh, the nerve to do it, but I did some work like that, dance dives and other sports fantasies. Then, after about a year of that, I th Micah started to get McKnight money and they organized that into small grants for choreographers. And that was the first real exciting grant application people did to get um, pretty, you know, decent funding. And um, that happened and, that, and then they developed a thing called Dancer Pool. And what that um, was, it was kind of a brilliant idea. It, you applied as a choreographer, but it was money just to pay dancers, not to do anything else with it. Yeah, was that through Jerome? That was through Jerome, you're right. Okay. And I think that, I mean, well, I don't know, you can tell me, but is is something like that around now? It might've. Not really, I don't, not in my mind, not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, I think Jerome shifted focus to emerging choreographers and right. established that way. But I'm interested in knowing where those performances for Micah were taking place. Was it all um, at Hennepin Center? Or? They, they uh, started out at the student um, camp uh, theater in St. Paul at the U of oh, yeah. I forget what you called that, but it was it started out there. Um, I'm trying to think if, um, I, I can't think of where else it happened, but they started to produce people in, in various locations, you know, like that emerging choreographer thing you were talking about with Jerome Foundation. Um, maybe this happened after it changed to the Minnesota Dance Alliance, but I remember doing something through Jerome. It was two of us at the Ordway Studio Theater. I'm jumping ahead now, but you know. Yeah, it's okay. So, so there was a lot going on out there. Um, a lot of collaboration that became popular around 1982, and the Northwest Area Foundation got involved with that. I got one of those grants and did a pretty major collaboration with David Means, a composer, and Jim Malik, a videographer. Um, I think 
that was called in and always out of order. Um, mm. And so there was that and on and on. Yeah. It's so interesting to me to think about, you know, I think artists, we all are cheering each other on um, to this day, you know, other choreographers and things, but I always fantasize about that mica of just the beginnings of it and choreographers coming together and, and trying to figure out ways to um, get things happening uh, for each other in a way. And yeah, more and more as the world, you know, we're trying to make a living and all of that, like we get siloed and into just making our own work. And we rarely have that opportunity of, you know, those meetings of coming together and hearing what opportunities are out there and kind of uh, the really the collaboration of it in a way. Right. Um, Well, it was a great blend. I mean, you know, we competed with each other because it wasn't an endless pool of money going on, (laughs) but, but, but the cooperation balanced that out. So it was a perfect blend of cooperation and competition going on back then and, and a structure within which to, do that um it was the most exciting i'm thinking back i mean when i thought back on that um i still like to call it micah i mean i think that was the most exciting time of being an independent choreographer at least for me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think it, it really just kind of launched so much to happen here honestly, those, those choreographers that came together really kind of inspired getting that funding from McKnight, getting the dancer pool. You know, I feel like it just really established Minnesota on the national scene in a way of of growing from that space. Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a unique, it was a unique event adventure for, or venture. (laughs) Um, that you know i didn't hear about that happening around other parts of the country it might have been but i just knew about it here so yeah and and that performance you were mentioning that happened at the mcknight theater i think uh mcknight theater at the ordway oh right right that's where that was kind of uh the beginnings of was it like spring into dance or something like that or like it became a series in a way yeah, right. I, you know, I don't know that. I know I did two things there. And the first one, I think Micah, Micah was still Micah. And that's the one I think you referenced in your email or that you knew about from 1985. And it was, yeah. I was one of four. And then the following year, right after that, that's why I think the transition from Micah to Minnesota Dance Alliance happened because I went, the Jerome Foundation did, um, oh, it had a title and I can't think of it now. Where the heck did I, did I write that down? No, I don't know what it was called, but I did a piece called Waiting for Rain in the Key of D and that was also Mm. at the McKnight Theater and that's, those are the only two times I remember performing there, but they continued on, you know, supporting local choreographers. Can you state that title again of the work, Waiting for Rain? In the Key of D. What a great title. (laughs) (laughs) 
David Means did the soundtrack and Joy Cop, who's a visual artist, did the slides. Yeah, tell me tell me about that work, if you don't mind. <laughs> um it was I it was an interesting work. It was very um lush and kind of serious and Mike Steele, who was reviewing dance back then, really liked me because of my wit and my, um, you know, I usually, humor is a really important part of my work, but this one didn't exactly have that. It was a little tongue-in-cheek in some of the writing I did, but um, it, but it was, uh, oh, it started out with a solo, and the solo actually is, what came out of that is my favorite section and i kept that and i performed it elsewhere as a separate thing um and the rest of it just you know evolved in, i mean it was very dark and my mm -hmm. recitation john munger did the recitation of the text and it was very oh he and i did it as a duet talking duet and it was down deep into the lower register the whole time we were delivering it and that was kind of the tongue-in-cheek part of it because <laughs> it was all everything i wrote started with the letter d um and then it evolved after that section you're just moving all over the place but it was the first piece that mike Steele didn't like <laughs> but, but the St. Paul Court uh, reviewer did, and he hadn't liked anything of mine up to that point, but he liked the fact that it was funny. Yeah, I know. Who, who were the dancers uh, in that work? The dancers, I God, I hope I get this right. I had started working um, with Mary Abrams, Mary Beth Elkert, I believe Alan Lindblad um, in the first version of it because I performed this in another place but Cindy Stevens um, Barb Sobosinski who was a friend of Lori Van Weren's and she worked with her and I worked with her but she wasn't a regular part of the dance community um, God, I know there were a lot of other people. It was a pretty big piece. It had about seven people in it. Oh, Diane Aldis. Oh. I work with Diane Aldis a lot in my work. And John Munger was in it as well at that time? He, or? He, he didn't perform in it. This was all women. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, but I, but it had to be all women. Um, but he did the tech, he did the recording of the Oh, okay. Of the text. Um, and, and this was a is... pretty good example of me writing for the piece. You know, sometimes mm. I would find writing and use it, but this was, I was going to write for the piece. Yeah. And where, where were you finding, um, like rehearsal space for, for the, the work and at that time? You know, I remember rehearsing this a lot at um, Antiques, Minnesota. They they had, well, the very first evening of my work in um, 1982, I did there. 
they had an upstairs space. I don't even think they're there anymore at all, but they sold, eventually sold huge furniture up there. It was like this enormous third floor that was completely empty. And a lot of people did performance, you know, evenings or rehearsals or something, but then they had a downstairs studio that was just for rehearsals. And that's where I did that. Where is that located? Well, it was on (laughs) Lake Street. And I want to say Cedar. Wow. Yeah, I don't know of that. I haven't heard of this space before. So that's so exciting. Yeah, it's um, it was big in about 1982. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check into that one. Well, so cool. So I know that from in doing your work, getting that support through Micah and kind of getting to make your work and create, you also have received several other, you know, wonderful illustrious grants that that enabled you to continue making your work can you share a little bit about that i know you received a bush which is always a huge yeah uh, amazing accolade for sure can you that was a, yeah that? the bush is always a shocker to get when you get it because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's big and um at the time i remember i was you know waiting tables like crazy like a lot of us were and they mm. made you stop They said, no, you can't have that on the side. You have to work on your work full time, which was great, except then I couldn't find (laughs) once I run out of money, I needed a job back and it was gone. But Uh. um, but so, yeah, I got that. And at the time, also, the NEA had independent choreographer grants and I got two of those and those, um, you know, Anybody from anywhere around the country could apply, but it was available. I mean, it was, you know, until Reagan came along and said, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, It was so, I mean, that was great. The state arts board was available. I got one of those. And then, as you know, there was Jerome and McKnight, who usually work through umbrella organizations. Um, I'm trying to think what else was that. Oh, well, the Northwest Area Foundation I talked about. They um, Maybe they did other funding, but they were interested in collaboration, at least working through MICA. Um, I'm wondering, was the Northwest Area Association, did that become like Dayton's and then Target oh, Foundation? It, it might have. It didn't in that I, you know. I might be confusing that, but. I just always think it's interesting to figure out, you know, again, going back to Micah and the beginnings of, of the community and kind of really establishing independent choreographers and getting the work out there and done, like the support that was there to make that happen and how, how it's shifted through the years, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's just incredible. There was a lot, there was a lot of money here to support um, staying independent and staying experimental at that, you know, as long as you show a degree of um, excellence in what you were doing. Yeah. And do you feel like the year of, of having that Bush Foundation funding and not working as a server or other jobs, um, 
what did that time look like for you? Um, oh, well, <laughs> I just remember this. That was, you know, I was heading in the direction of going to dance theater workshop. So um, I think I found out about that within that timeline. And so I used that money a lot to prepare that show. I also bought video equipment, you know, there. Um, and, but I would say that primarily I was, I was focused on doing what I needed to do to go there. Um, and it was, you know, I couldn't have done it without it. It was wonderful. I mean, I loved, and Sally Dixon, who was in charge of it all back then, was absolutely fabulous. Um, I will, however, say that trying to do my work between the cracks of waitressing and rehearsing in the basements of the restaurants that I was working at, there was something kind of um, motivating about that. I don't know that it's always such a good idea to tell people they absolutely can't do anything else but their work. Um, so, but that, and, and then it ended and, you know, so what do you do? It was, yeah, so much, yeah. it was so much support that wasn't, oh, and it, they had a rule. I think you couldn't get, I think you had to wait a certain number of years before you applied again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting you say that as well, because I feel personally for myself, I need to be busy. <laughs> and sometimes it's like having too much time to just focus on the work itself is, is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You get kind of, you know, you hammer down a little too hard in, <laughs> inside of it. And um, I love kind of, floating between the cracks and thinking about mm. other things. and Yeah. Well, what work did you do at Dance Theater Workshop? And I think this was in 87 then? It was in 87. Um, I did a piece that was um, pretty popular around here, very popular, in fact. So I thought, well, I'll do that. I went all the way back to 1981 to – or to uh, dredge up, no, 1982 to dredge up some old things. And so that was the oldest piece I did. Uh, I'll just call it Dance Dives because it's short title. Um, <laughs> I did that and I did another piece called In My House that was very, didn't have a lot of dance, but was tightly organized in its movement from here to there and when you sat down and when you didn't, you know, was that kind of piece. Um, I did that and I did this piece, I think called Small Tyrannies. Mary Beth Elkhart did that as a solo and that was not all that old, but I also did a premiere called, oh, and I did Waiting for Rain in the Key of D, the one I was talking about. Oh, yeah. And then I also did a premiere called Chocolate and that one, had the most um i mean i wrote the text and um i had some of my own music in it and i also hired somebody to do sections of the music and it was you know a 20 minute piece um i liked it i only did it that one time i think hmm. and how did how did the dtw come about was it 
I feel like there was a time when DTW was like, where are we going to bring Minnesota choreographers? And like, it was like a, a thing for some reason. Was that part of this or was that before that time? Do you think? Um, Bonnie Brooks was here. So the MICA had become the Minnesota Dance Alliance. I mean, quite a while back, a couple of years back. And um, she somehow, I was kind of, <laughs> I wasn't real aware of any of the politics that happens in, in, in the art world. I was kind of like, you know, humming along <laughs> and not paying attention to that. But I think Bonnie Brooks um, liked my work and had something to do with establishing that connection between me and David White. And he came to, he or somebody else came to see my work and he said, yeah, so I hmm. got invited. Um, so yeah, that was 1987. Um, and then- and Were there other Minnesota choreographers, do you think involved or was it just- not well yeah i mean yep it was all that particular weekend was just mine but no i think they were uh, uh making an effort to bring people in linda shapiro i you know i listened to her and i remembered that she got invited and then um wendy wendy morris and there were a number you know and probably some people i don't know that got invited got invited um and <laughs> i got a darn good review from the New York Times and I freaked out and I uh, took, I took two years off after that I just it's like no I never you know this was not in the plan I was supposed to be able to just you know lay low do what I want <laughs> um you know, it was great because, you know, for the first time, my family back in St. Louis is like, oh, look, she's really doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so this great review, I mean, it had its its uses, but it, it, it was not very useful in um, helping me take the ball and run with it that, you know, probably I should have. Um, so I took some time off and um, I came back in 1990 with a bang. I mean, I really came back and went, okay, that, you know, I was kind of renewed and I, and I was shifting gears into something that was, um, really a blend of movement and speaking and doing my own soundtracks or maybe not depending, but I mean, things got very theatrical for me, theatrical in a, in a nonlinear way, but, hmm more um i transition from wanting to work with dance either totally minimally or totally in the abstract you know kinetic um complex kinetic way that i like to work sometimes and i just went right into um working with people more so using the essence of who they were and hmm. pulling certain kinds of way of performing and moving. Um, I didn't make a distinction between the two anymore. I was trained in dance is the art of motion, not emotion. It's like, okay, I believe that back then, but not now. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, there was a big shift into theater in 1990 for me. So tell me about kind of the process 
of making that kind of work for you? What does that look like? Um, I'll just talk about the one that happened in 1990 because it wasn't always the same depending on the work. Um, I did a piece called Salt, the 832nd Love Story. <laughs> um, and I started really working with John Munger then a lot. And um, I used John Munger to be even more of an exaggeration of John Munger. And um, and he was fine with that. He, I mean, of course he was, <laughs> because he loves doing that kind of thing. And um, so, but John, oh, John did dance in this, but not till the very end. I had him at a table and he was, you know, organizing his meal and ranting about his background and who his parents were. And I mean, so I allowed myself to start to get a little more autobiographic in how I wrote about things. Hmm. Um, and so he did that and I danced and it was kind of a die, you know, it was kind of a dialogue between me, the flighty dancer over on one side and John, the, slightly grumpy down to earth person on the other side. And then I had all this dance in between and I really, um, I worked a lot on partnering. I was interested in, so Alan Lindblad, who, you know, had worked with new dance ensemble and Xenon and various groups, he helped me teach me how to partner safely and do some, um, pretty bold things. Um, so I had that and then, so it had a lot of movement um, and referenced things, but never addressed them clearly. And I had a lot of that in my theater work, mm. but I love that piece. And it was, you know, I was trying to, I've always tried to um, mine into the specific talents of the people I've, oh, Diane Aldis was in that too. And she partnered with, E.E. E. Balcos, and that was oh. I, I, that was the first time I worked with him too. I mean, there are a lot of people that I think Jean um, Hamilton or no, um, Jill Heberlin, who um, was one of the first people or the second or third people in New Dance Ensemble. Um, anyway, so they were all in this, but I always tried to mine the the essence and the talents and the, I can't find the right word exactly, but um, who people were. Gertrude Stein, I work eventually with Gertrude Stein's work a lot, but Gertrude Stein always did these word portraits of people. And she said, the way I begin is just to listen to what they say the most often. And I don't say what they say the most often. I just collect the words. I just collect the words and then I mix them up into a soup of things and I create a portrait of that person. And I always thought that was kind of cool. Um, and it feels like there's some relationship there in how she did that and how I worked. It's like, I would just, you know, just watch the way people walked and, and what they said and what they did and what, how they danced and how they, you know, got in their car, you know, and just, I was kind of back in the dance therapy world um, mm. because that's a lot of what you do, you know, if you have a client and you're trying to sort of tap into who they are as a mover. So I did that kind of thing. A yeah. Lot. 
How did the generation of material come about? Was it highly collaborative then, obviously, with working with who they were in a way? or It became that way, but no, not in the beginning. I mean, I started to let, you know, uh, allow that to happen more, but um, compared to the first piece I choreographed in college with a group, oh my God, I had charts and, you know, <laughs> count two and three was over here and, the you know, everybody had their own count two and three and they had to be doing exactly what I said. So I had certainly, that was how I started out. But so yeah. I had certainly moved away from there. It was, it was hard to give up that kind of control, but I really realized that you get better, softer, more rewarding and just as aesthetically interesting results if you allow people to create their own work. I did choreograph. I mean, I showed people often, here's what you're going to do. Like that um, partnering duet, I did it I did it with Alan Lindblad and Diane Aldis and E.E. E. Balcos did it simultaneously next mm -hmm. to it. That was completely choreographed because it would have been dangerous really to do it any other way. So it just depended on the section and all that. Yeah. I love it. And I think Georgia, the piece that you were describing, um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the, the writer's name now that, that you mentioned, Gertrude but I think that's Gertrude Stein. Thank you. I, that's the first piece I think. And the only piece I think I saw of yours. Um, but that's because I moved here in like, 89. So I was fresh and young <laughs> in college <laughs> yeah. at that time. But I know that it was at a space space right. um, performance, which I always thought was a cool thing. It, was, it felt like, again, similar to Micah in a way of like all these choreographers sharing an evening together, like salon style, cabaret-ish mm -hmm. feel to it. Well, that was Can our idea. Me? Yeah. Yeah. How did that come about? How did that all... Um. Well, about, let's see, I did a, ugh, I incorporated in 1990 myself, and then I was, you know, because it's, it's, it seemed like things were shifting away from independent choreographers and into more support for companies. And that was the idea of Minnesota Dance Alliance is to make that move in that direction, too. Um, so I was busy doing that, and I, I was produced by the Minnesota Dance Alliance. And I did this thing called World Without End, Amen. Um, I think Amy, the, the, this person saw it and got together, Paula Mann and I, and said, I think you guys need to find your own space and stuff, and I'll help you do that. And um, so we found that and you know i i can't remember exactly how sean mcconnell got involved but i know that when sean did get involved she really did a wonderful job of leading us into the various directions but the first space we found it was the old xena and it was right next to the metrodome you know the the first baseball uh, place huh, yeah. um so we were there and Sean joined us while we were there. And about a year after that, they were, they decided to tear down that area and turn it into a parking lot. And we weren't a 501c3 yet. I was, but that didn't help at the time. Um, but we were a partnership 
And so the city gave us a nice little chunk of money and said, find another place. <laughs> and we did. And I, I think, and, you know, we all looked around and we all visited lots of places, but Sean ended up finding the place that we ended up, and that was in Elliott Park. And the mission really was to do exactly what you said, to gather people together in a casual way and let them show their work without, you know, having to make a big deal about it and having to pay so much. And um, it was a rehearsal space. It was the space for us to do that. And so after I moved into that space in Elliott Park, I never showed my work anywhere else. I, I just, I loved it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's on like 10th and Portland, right? Right. Is that? Right. Yeah. Um, and we incorporated, we became a nonprofit and did a lot of, um, you know, we had a internship project. Um, I can't remember exactly how that worked. But that was to bring in somebody from the community. Oh, I know how it worked. It was to pay somebody to come in from the community, um, hopefully that community, <laughs> that area, and um, learn about the ins and outs of theater. Hmm. Um, so we did that. And actually, the most rewarding part for, for me, except for you know the work I did there, I was on the board of Elliott Park as a business rep, and they did... I just volunteered, not in not in my capacity as a dancer at all, really. I just volunteered in that neighborhood a lot. And um, I loved it. I got to know everybody that way. And... Yeah. And how all this time, Georgia, were you having to hold several other jobs? No, or... at this point, not. Um, That's so great. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was a you know, combination of reasons, but... Um, it was, yeah, I was also paying myself, you know, a decent amount out of my nonprofit. And yeah, that's so great. That's, I feel like, again, that time frame with NEA funding and things before the climate wars and censorship and all of right. that taking NEA away really kind of made things livable, uh, actually, as an artist, I think. Right. That's really cool. I loved Space Space. I, I myself performed there for Sean, and then I would rehearse there for my company as well. So it was really... I remember that. Such a great, you know, venue and, you know, a great space to, like, get your feet wet without that kind of pressure of... Right. Yeah. So really, really awesome thing. And I, I think it's it's been missed here. Um well, I'll say that for myself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Having that vibe. I miss it. I mean, I think I'd go out there and try something else if I had a space like that that I could take a chance with. But, yeah. I feel like Red Eye, um, thankfully, is, you know, the new opening. Of, are they of doing? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that that's kind of a nice avenue right now for that. But. So great. Well, so you've had such an extensive career and I, I noticed in the little research I could find on the online was uh, that you were moving into uh, movement and speech staging consultation and body posture, how a performer kind of can convey that. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me more about this? And is this more of like what you're doing now or... 
Well, it's yeah, um, it's more of what I would like to be doing. I um, I officially quit again <laughs> in about 2009. I was on a McKnight panel after I did a performance at Red Eye in their new work series, and that was the end for me. But um, so in in 2014, so not too long ago, I decided to go back and get my master's in psychology. And I ended up studying dance therapy again um, th through Barbara Nordstrom. And I mean, it just went back to those beginnings. I've always been interested in human motivation and um, observation of the, you know, who people are through yeah. how they do what they do. And so I did that and I did an internship and I was really I never intended to have a second career, really, but I got interested and I was around a lot of young people who were so gung-ho, you know, um, and you just kind of get sucked into all that. And um, I did get a job pretty quickly after the internship, but then found out after that that I had this horrible cancer and I had to work on that for a while. So mm. I just never went back. And when I did, I thought, how am I going to use this? to blend um, all these, you know, all this information I've accumulated <laughs> over my lifetime and on the stage for like 35 years and, you know, um, and so, but I didn't want to be an official therapist and every now and then I, you know, okay, well, um, you know, maybe I'll get out there, but I just put this description of what I wanted to do out there. And I think you saw it on LinkedIn and I put it on LinkedIn and, just to see if I would get any hits and I didn't. Um, and I think it's something that I'm really good at like saying the entire st stage changes when you stand at this angle versus that angle. Um, mm. So that, that whole, you know, the whole universe kind of changes when tiny little things change in your work. So I wanted to work with people in that way. And I thought I could handle the, I thought I could handle that. I really can't move that much, very, that much anymore because of my surgery. Um, but, um, and also I'm 68, you know, I don't, <laughs> but so anyway, that I was interested in doing that. And I, yeah. I still think I'd be good at it. But um, Yeah, it sounds like a rehearsal director and Yes, and it, it's things. a yeah. lot like that. That's what people say. It's like, well, you're gonna be a dramaturg and it's like, well, I may I don't know, is that it? Yeah. But it's very <laughs> yeah. movement based. Um it's very um back to my origin of of the Nikolai, you know, the training of, you know, yeah. specific things about time and Base and then how they fit into the overall psychological picture of what your intention is and what's coming across. It's not exactly a new thing to do, but I thought if I was going to do something else with the rest of my career, it would be something like that. Yeah. Well, for me in, in talking with you, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get her to rehearsal somehow, <laughs> you know, because as, as you're in the work, it's always so helpful to have that outside eye. Um, I fortunately had Jane Shockley as rehearsal director for oh, many yeah. years. And just like, just so incredible at 
asking me the questions I needed to be asked in a way. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, no, this is totally wrong. I have to do this. You know, like that discovery. Um, and in talking with you now, it's just so nice to get to know you. I want to be able to like see your work. All those titles are just so <laughs> fascinating and your descriptions of them. Um, is there a way to see your work? Is it, do you have it on VHS or anything like that? Or Oh, you know, I do. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I did, um, one thing I did, I digitalized my, my whole, uh, DTW thing because I had that handy just to hand somebody to do that too. Um, I think the rest, you know, I have gone into some place and just grabbed some tapes a long time ago and I don't remember which ones, but some of them, I don't know if you remember this, but the cassette video recordings that you would do, they would be on in these boxes that were as yeah. big as, um, like, an Amazon box or something. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was, so I took, you know, there's places around town and they went, Oh, it's one of those. Yeah, sure. And they knew all about it. So I did take some of those in and put them on a disc. Well, that's great. Well, I'm going to have to connect with you outside of this. I would love to see, <laughs> see your work. And again, I think this speaks to, you know, the performance library at the U of M archives of, of just getting things done and getting people in this community to have their um, history there and all they've done. But yeah, I, George, it's so nice to chat with you. I, I really, um, it's really nice to get to know you. <laughs> I know. I feel, yeah. It was I, nice to, yeah. And I, I, I need to see more of your work now too, that I've talked to you and gotten to know your background a little bit and, <laughs> well yeah so thank you so much for your time today and i hope this just inspires people to be like hey what was this about and 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 i want to see that that work that um you know salt the 832nd love story <laughs> or you know like just your descriptions of them are so enticing alone so yeah thank you so much well thank you Thanks for joining us today. Next week, we talk with Donald LaCourse, the driving force behind Ethnic Dance Theater. 